It's 12.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to be with you. Back from, a, it was a belated honeymoon. It was down in Key West. I'll tell you about it in just a little bit, but my advice is this. If you ever get a chance to go to Key West, do it. <laughs> it, it might be, I think it might have been my best vacation ever. Now, again, it was kind of a belated honeymoon, so that certainly enhanced it, but I am telling you, what a great place just an absolutely great place and it was one of those deals where a lot of times you're ready to come back you know the vacation kind of ends and you're about a day or so before your time to leave you're like i'm ready to go back as much as i love it here and i genuinely do and i love this job i was sitting there thinking okay i i could um i don't know i could drive that conch train the conch train is like this giant tram that they have like at the zoo and it drives all around the island and they have a guy that says okay this is the hemingway house and this is truman's little white house and this is this bar whatever i could see doing that job i could see doing that job um but i am back we have a lot of ground to cover today and by the way we have a shortened show today brewers exhibition baseball starts right around two o'clock i think our out time is 155 let me not bury the lead um we are rolling out as of now the guest list for insight 2018 jeff wagner's insight 2018 presented by annex wealth management this year it is scheduled for wednesday night march 28th at the country springs hotel in waukesha and let me tell you something we have a powerful powerful guest list um this year it is an election year and one of the things i wanted to do is i wanted to give you an opportunity to to come out and to see a lot of the newsmakers the people you see on tv the people you hear on the radio i wanted to give you a chance to see them up close and personal in a, a more intimate setting than perhaps if you attend some giant campaign event or something like this, if you have been to Insight before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this year, tickets have just gone on sale. And here's our guest list. Um, the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, is going to be our featured guest. Scott has been a regular at Insight. He will be back for a couple segments he is running for his third term. We're going to talk about all the things he did in the first two terms, and we're going to talk about um, what he anticipates doing. Scott Walker will join us. I don't know that there's anybody that hasn't been more involved in the various things going on in Washington, D.C., than U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. He has been a leader, whether it comes to foreign affairs or domestic policy. Ron Johnson will be joining us. The Wisconsin Attorney General, Brad Schimmel, he is up for re-election this year. Brad Schimmel, who was a guest last year, since then he's been instrumental in kind of identifying all the problems with the John Doe Doe investigation. He's been a leader in trying to right that wrong. Brad Schimmel will be with us. We have two very strong candidates running to take on Tammy Baldwin um, for the Republican nomination. One is Kevin Nicholson. Kevin Nicholson will be joining us in person. We're going to also uh, have Leah Vukmir there um, via video. So we're going to have both candidates will have a presence. You will have an opportunity to meet firsthand Kevin Nicholson, U.S. Senate candidate at Insight 2018. 
I don't know that there's any more important election um, coming up this spring than the state Supreme Court race. The primary was last Tuesday while I was on vacation. The leading vote getter in the primary was Sauk County Circuit Judge Michael Skrenak. Um, however, here, here's the downside to that. The two other candidates who are both big time lefties, if you combine their vote total, they got more votes than Skrenak got. So this is going to be a close, close race. Uh, Judge Michael Skrenak, the conservative running for the state Supreme Court, he will be joining us. And like I say, it is less than a week before the general election. We also had extended an invitation to his opponent. She passed. In addition, um, I, I just I always like to reach out beyond the world of politics. Um, Kathleen O'Leary, my dear friend, who is the first woman CEO, female CEO of the Wisconsin State Fair. She has been an institution. And I, I want to talk about, you know, what's going on at the State Fair. There's a lot of controversy about the Milwaukee Mile and the future of the State Fair. Kathleen O'Leary is going to join us as well. So, I mean, that's the guest list so far. And nothing says we might not be adding a couple additional guests. But Scott Walker, Ron Johnson, Brad Schimmel, the U.S. Senate candidate, Sauk County Circuit Judge Michael Skrenick, and Kathleen O'Leary from the Wisconsin State Fair. We will be taping the show. It's a radio show that we tape that night, but your chance to get up close and personal and see this great guest list. It is March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel, and tickets have just gone on sale. Tickets are $25. You can get them by going to WTMJ.com, and you'll see the thing, Jeff Wagner Insight. It is a ticket event and there are a number of limited number of tickets that are out there in addition if you want the link to insight making it easy for you to purchase the tickets all you have to do is text me the word insight i-n-s-i-g-h-t to 414-799-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line text me the word insight to uh, 414-799-1620, and I'll send you the link that's got the guest list and how you can click on and, and get your ticket. We anticipate the event will sell out. I am extremely excited about this year's event, and again, it's your chance to see a number of newsmakers and a number of candidates perhaps more unguarded than you typically would in a much more intimate setting. It is March 28th. Text me the word insight and I will send you a link. You can also get the link on our website. Should be a lot of fun when we come back. Three big things. Stick around. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us once again. If you text me the word insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-D, at 414-799-1620, I'll send you the link so you can get tickets um, to our Insight 2018 with a very, very high-powered lineup this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can also uh, just go to WTMJ.com. We've got a link that takes you to Insight 2018. Hope to see you out there. It is March 28th. And as I am reminded by my producer, Gru, um, we have a pair of tickets to Insight that we're going to be giving away sometime between now and 155. And we'll be giving away a pair of tickets all week to invite you to come out and see Insight. Oh, by the way, something that I, I forgot. I knew this was going to be happening at some point in time, but we did not know when. And they chose to roll this out. Well, the last day that I was on vacation, we now have an FM signal. This is, somebody was saying to me, whoa, is, is TMJ switching to FM? No, 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 it's not that. We are still the biggest stick in the state. But there are, believe it or not, there are some people who never, never leave the FM dial. 
So in addition, in an effort to try to give them the opportunity to hear this programming, we are enhancing our broadcast by adding an FM signal. It's at 103.3 FM. Um, again, you can pick it up over at least a portion of our listening area. It is an additive thing um, for people who might like to listen on FM. And, you know, it's really um, it's a lot of fun. It's just I was driving around over the weekend and I was just trying to see how far the signal goes and stuff. So we are now on FM as well. But the biggest stick in the state on AM, we're, we're not going anywhere. And uh, that continues to be the bread and butter. But this is what I would add is, as an enhancement. And it's something that I know. Our management, particularly our general manager, Tom Langmeyer, who's one of the very best in the business, has been working on for quite a while, and it became a reality. How cool is that? All right, we start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. Number one, and again, I was in Key West last week, and so Key West gets the um, all the South Florida TV stations, so as you might expect, um, the, the shooting at, at Parkland High School was front and center because, you know, that that's right outside of, you know, of Miami. So lots and lots of conversation about that. And they were following the, the, all the kids that, you know, went to Florida's state house to try to talk to legislators and things like that. So a lot of conversation about that. One of the you know, there's a couple of details that are emerging, and I, I'm sure you've probably heard about them before. One, of course, is the fact that there were all these different missed signals that the shooter was dangerous. What de- dozens of calls to the local authorities reporting all sorts of incidents and the local authorities essentially doing nothing, verifiable tips to the FBI indicating that this guy was ready to do something really, really bad, and again, nothing being done. And then perhaps the most disturbing story of it all from the perspective of a law enforcement response. And don't get me wrong, I understand that the bad guy is the shooter here. I I get it. But at the same time, I, I think you also have to look at when we talk about ways that this could have been prevented or minimized, you have to look at the different responses that are out there. And now you have this story that there were multiple Broward County deputies who apparently waited outside the school rather than to rush in as the killer was gunning down students. Um, One deputy, of course, resigned after failing to enter the school during the shooting. Apparently, there were also others. The Florida Sun-Sentinel reported that, according to police sources, at least three other Broward, three deputies, including Peterson, waited outside while this shooting was going on. In other words, when you think back to 9-11, one of the stories that came out was how you had the emergency responders that were running one way while other people were running the other. In this particular situation, you had Florida law enforcement deputies who were standing around while the shooting was occurring. So while the kids were huddling in place or running away, what you had is the deputies hanging around doing nothing for, well, or waiting for backup or assistance. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that it is perfectly reasonable to say you don't want these law enforcement officers to unnecessarily risk their lives. But at the same time, 
in a situation where there is an active school situation shooting going on, is there any excuse for law enforcement personnel to huddle outside the building allowing the shooting to continue while waiting for assistance. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Candidly, I think if these allegations are true, and we know it's true at least about one of the deputies, I think all of those people need to go. I understand they didn't know necessarily what was going on. I understand they might have been outgunned, but they at least had a chance to defend themselves the kids didn't. 414-799-1620. Is there any excuse for Broward County deputies to not have entered that building? My answer is no. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1223. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve twenty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is emerging that the one deputy, an armed deputy who was on the scene at Parkland, the school security officer uh, chose not to go inside to confront the shooter, and as a result, he has now been terminated. There are other reports that other deputies may have been there as well. I just think there's no excuse for this. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you, sir. It's good to be back. Um, actually, my belief, the one officer, and it's true that the others responded in the same way, they should all be criminally charged. Criminally charged, just for like dereliction of duty or something like that, huh? What about the argument? Well, they were they were outgunned. They here you have a guy that's got an AR. You you don't know. All you know is that there's a, a shooting going on. They've got perhaps a handgun. You don't know what you're dealing with. In this case, the guy had an AR-15, maybe body armor. How can you expect somebody to charge into that? Their job. They yeah. I, the same the firefighter, the same as a paramedic. Yeah, I unconscionable. No, thank I see I, I think that's exactly the word, Jeff. Thanks for call. The word is unconscionable. You're right. It it is it is their job. I was listening to some commentary about this over the weekend, and you had some people who were, I heard who were saying, well, you know, you, you can't expect, you know, law enforcement to confront people in this type of situation. Well, that that's what police officers do. That is what the inherent danger of the job is. That is why we need to respect what they do so much, because they face the unknown. Every time a police officer makes a, a traffic stop, you don't know what it is that you're going to be dealing with. And I understand that, you know, if you have a situation where there's an active shooting situation, maybe you want to wait for backup. But in this particular case, it is a school. Your assignment is to protect the kids. Larry in Waukesha. Larry, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Uh, I, I think that you don't have all the facts. There's uh, In a situation like that, it's called protocol. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the protocol is for the uh, Broward County Sheriff, whether they're told to stay out of the building until they're told to go in. Uh, so... We don't have all the facts, so we well, don't know. Well, at least as, at least as the one deputy that has been fired. I mean, here here's here's what they say. The Broward County Sheriff, Scott Israel, he's under all sorts of fire. People want him to resign because they're the group that showed up and, you know, saw the shooter time and time again and did nothing. But here on Friday, 
he acknowledged that an armed deputy serving as the school resource officer at the school got to the scene of the shooting but failed to go inside, according to the sheriff, that violated accepted police protocol. So I, I, I don't think there was any protocol that said that you wait outside and see what happens. Well, we don't know that. And the one that resigned is actually the school cop. And uh, I don't think his protocol would be uh, the same as officers showing up that aren't part of the school. So I think that's why he resigned. And yeah. Well, no, I mean, sorry, you can't have your own facts. I mean, the, the, the guy that resigned was a sheriff's deputy who was assigned as the school resource officer. I mean, that's he, he was he was a deputy. That's why he resigned from the, the sheriff's department. And all, all I know is I got the sheriff. The sheriff is acknowledging that the protocol was that you go inside. I, I would also add, by the way, if th- that's the only thing that makes sense. It would make no sense to have a protocol say, hey, there's an active shooter. We want you to linger outside and wait till he's, you know, exhausted all his, fired all the shots that he has. That, that would make, you know, no sense a- at all. I guess the bottom line of this is, and, and hindsight is twenty twenty. But you know, who knows what would have happened if that officer would have done his job instead of deciding to stand down? And who knows what would have happened if other officers would have gone in? Like I say, one of the things that strikes me about this is just like 9-11 was an example of profiles in courage. People running, emergency responders, police, firefighters, um, EMTs running into the face of danger. Here you apparently have a situation where at least one and maybe more officers officers decided they were going to linger rather than to confront a threat. And I think I agree with our caller that used the word unconscionable. All right. When we come back, Tom Barrett talks about Milwaukee. I have a provocative question to ask. Stick around. It's 1230. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There's a new way to listen to WTMJ on the FM dial. Breaking news. Traffic reports, weather updates, and your favorite Wisconsin sports teams always on AM at 620 and now on FM 103.3 in your car, in your home, with Alexa or from the stands. You can now listen to us on AM and FM. How cool is that? That's AM at 620 and FM at 103.3. Don't miss it. Very cool. I say I was driving around after I got back from vacation Friday afternoon, and it was amazing how far the FM signal went. But, of course, it is just an additive thing. It is a supplement to the biggest stick in the state. Okay, we've given away a pair of tickets to Insight 2018 presented by Annex Wealth Management. Uh, we will have more tickets to give away as the week goes on, but they're $25 apiece, um, a bargain at twice, at four times the price, and they are on sale right now if you go to WTMJ.com. You'll see Jeff Wagner's Insight 2018, um, the guest list thus far, and uh, you can make arrangements to purchase the tickets. Be there. Um, It's going to be a wonderful evening. If you've been to Insight before, you know what a great event it is, and this year is going to be no exception. All right, big story number two, the NRA under fire. The National Rifle Association is arguably the most powerful political group in the country. Not because of the money that it gives to candidates. As a matter of fact, it gives very little money directly to candidates for office. What it does, 
and it's very good at mobilizing the enormous resources of the NRA and and the members. The real value I I think that the NRA and an NRA endorsement has is that you have a number of dedicated members of the NRA who are very, very active in supporting Second Amendment rights, and the NRA will contact the members. It's a giant, it is a great get-out-the-vote organization. So what they will do is if you have a candidate in a particular district and you've got a, a gun supporter versus a gun banner, I mean, they will identify that gun supporter and they will do a great job of reaching out, communicating who is sympathetic to their cause um, and and urging their members to get out the vote. So it's really it's the get out of the get out the vote effort where I think the NRA the grassroots thing where you see their their greatest advantages. All right, the NRA like many many interest groups also tends to be a bit ideological uh, about that. The, the idea is that people a lot of the people that belong to the NRA believe you know firmly in the second amendment so as what happened as a result the nra is reluctant to you know go along to things that they would view as opening the door to restrictions on the second amendment that makes some people feel uncomfortable but that's not unusual i mean it's it's like planned parenthood for example which has become a a a militant pro-abortion group planned parenthood does not support anything that i think most of us would describe as reasonable restrictions on abortion because they're absolutists. That's where a lot of the supporters come from. So they have absolute views on things. And they say, well, if we start saying, okay, well, maybe 12-year-old girls shouldn't, 13-year-old girls shouldn't be able to get abortions without their parents knowing, well, then they say, oh, that opens the door for other stuff. So they tend to be absolutists. The NRA is the same way when it comes to gun rights. In any event, after the shootings two weeks ago at Parkland, you now have some companies that are feeling the heat because what's happening is there's some pressure being put on them. So over the weekend, United and Delta Airlines cut ties with the NRA. Now, you might say, what what ties did Delta and United have with the NRA? Not many, except that they offered like discounts if you were flying to the NRA convention. So there have been a number of companies that have done have, have done that um, maybe as many as a dozen in general these are the, these are are small links to the NRA uh, you know like I say Delta Airlines saying okay we're no longer going to offer this this particular discount and the truth is most people probably didn't know including a NRA members that Delta offered this particular you know discount. But there are these companies that are responding now to public pressure by starting to, again, react in this fashion and want to cut ties. The question is going to become, is this going to have any effect? And more importantly, are NRA members going to bail? All right. One segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For years, the National Rifle Association has been vilified by the left because, well, you know, they're seen as being the bastion of everything that's bad. And if you just simply had the NRA go away, 
we would stop, our crime problems would go away, everything would be peachy. You've got law-abiding citizens who are holding, keeping guns. Well, if we were somehow able to get those guns out of the hands of the law-abiding citizens, the world would be a better place, and it's the evil NRA that stands in their way. All right, 414-799-1620. It doesn't matter one whit whether United Airlines cancels a discount or Delta cancels a discount. That's not going to hurt the NRA. The only thing that hurts the NRA is if tens of thousands of members suddenly decide that they cannot support the organization anymore because of its various stances on gun control issues. I personally do not see a number of members, or at least any large number of members, giving up their membership or bailing on the NRA. Will the NRA suffer a huge membership backlash? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because let's face it, United Airlines, Delta Airlines, Chubb Insurance, that doesn't matter. The way the NRA loses clout is if all of a sudden tens of thousands of people who got the newsletters and showed up to vote, if they decide, okay, we're not going to do this anymore, that's the way the NRA loses clout. 414-799-1620. What's going to happen? Is this going to hurt the NRA? I don't think that's likely, but I'm willing to discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll be back in just a moment. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The latest reporting indicates that a reckoning of sorts could be coming to some top college basketball programs. Why has the FBI gotten involved, and how might this impact other sports? Get the details from Greg Matzik this evening, Sports Central, 735. Denise in Sheboygan. Denise, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, is all that United Airlines and Delta say, hey, we're going to get rid of NRA discounts, is that going to make any difference? I think it'll make some difference. Uh, to the Democrats, but uh, I think it'll make a greater difference to the right. And uh, I see more support for the NRA than I've ever seen before online. Mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of support of the NRA that are not members currently that are going to take the time to become members. My husband did over the weekend, uh, as did his best friend. And uh, I'm in a bunch of conservative rooms, and there's tons of people saying they're joining, including people from Australia saying, mm-hmm. yes, this does me no good. But I want to show support for the Second Amendment. Okay. What, what, what was it? Okay, so your, your husband and his friend were not NRA members, but they joined over the weekend. What, what was it that pushed them over the edge and made them sign up? And made the quick response of the a total attacking the NRA for everything with the school shooting right. and immediate boycotts. Um, law enforcement failed on multiple, multiple levels, and everybody is just going after the NRA. It's ridiculous. Well, they certainly have been made out to be the, the bogeyman, you know, uh, for for this whole thing. And and again, you you do kind of wonder. All, all right, what were the cops doing? You know, you get multiple calls to investigate this this kid, and you do nothing. But yet, it's the NRA that's the bad guy. Correct, and that's yeah. it, it just it's ignorance at its best. It's the left turning it to their point of view so they can get what they want. It's uh, it's just sad that they're not pointing the blame where the blame belongs. No, thanks for calling. Now, I see, and I, I, I think, and again, the, the reason, what I, as I was saying in the intro to this, I, I think, candidly, the NRA takes certain positions 
that, in my opinion, are sort of intellectually indefensible, just like Planned Parenthood takes positions that are intellectually indefensible, but in part because they're absolutist. In the case of Planned Parenthood, it's we want everybody to be able to have an abortion whenever, so if it's a 12-year-old girl, that's okay with us, even though most people find that to be repugnant. But because they're concerned with the idea of intellectual purity, they're concerned with the idea that, okay, well, if we let those 12-year-old girls, you know, if, if we say that they, you know, their, their parents have to know about this, well, maybe that's going to open the door. The NRA, I think, is in positions like that sometimes as well. For example, with the bump stocks issue, um, with some of the armor-piercing bullets issues. So they tend to be absolutist. But at the same time, at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that the group is evil. And candidly, I don't see these school shootings leading to a mass drop in, in membership. And that's the only way they lose electoral clout. And that is that if all sorts of people start bailing on them, because right now, I mean, that's the idea. If you're not supported, if you are, you know, there are a lot of people for whom firearms are a huge issue. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike in Whitefish Bay. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Um, I, I think this is a great starting point for discussion. Uh, the NRA, I support the NRA, but I, uh, and I support the Second Amendment, but I, I think that there has to be some reasonable limits. I mean, you can't be able to get it done whenever you want at whatever age and whatever type of gun you want whenever you want it. So, I think it, it will spark a good conversation, and I think it's something that we've been too far polarized on, and now maybe we'll discuss it. Do you see a large number of NRA members bailing on the NRA because of their essentially ideologically pure stance on limits to guns? I, I think that they would be dumb to do so. I think that what this will do is probably get more NRA members Mm-hmm. join but i think um at the end of the day what other alternatives do they have i mean it's kind of like the democrats and the daca people complaining about daca and complaining about right. the democrats that's their only chance so you don't right. want to shoot the the, the 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 vehicle that you have to get well well exactly on. and like i say that's why thanks for call that's why a lot of the activist groups and people say well how can the nra be against you know the bump stock thing well it's because they, they tend to view these things in terms of absolutism and, and your daca point was very well taken um you, you have these various groups that are based around supporting illegal immigration Let's open up the borders. We don't want people deported, all that type of stuff. So they end up in a position of of defending the indefensible, defending the the guy who's been deported four times and has committed a murder. Well, they end up defending that person. Well, you know, that when anybody... Any reasonable person would say, no, obviously, this was not, this was an undesirable, and it's not somebody that should be in the country. Like I say, you see this absolutism, but I don't see this hurting the NRA. I, I just don't. Charlie and Mequon. Charlie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Well, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I am an NRA man, and as I said to your screener, I even belong to the National Muzzle Loading Rifle okay. Association. <laughs> One of the things people don't understand about the voting power of the NRA is there are dues-paying members somewhere between 3 and 4 million. I haven't kept up with the actual number. But literally, for every one of those dues-paying members, there are at least four votes taking the same stance who are not dues-paying members. They tend to be trap shooters, hunters. They also tend to be wives, sons, daughters, relatives, etc. And... 
as far as the absolutism you're talking about, I don't join in that absolutism. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be not uncomfortable with the elimination of bump stocks whatsoever. What I am uncomfortable with are things such as an age limit of 21 to buy a firearm. Right. I'm not going to look a 19-year-old or 20-year-old Bronze Star, Purple Heart Marine in the face and tell him he's too young to buy a rifle. Yeah. I'm prior service. I'm proud of it. And I just every proposal ever made about, quote, reasonable gun control has, upon examination, numerous programs behind it that are uh, an attempt to go about the voter. No, God, Charlie, I'm sorry. I just I got to get to a couple more calls before we hit the top of the hour. See, I, I, I think that's right. I think that the, the NRA... You know, again, like Planned Parenthood, like some of the illegal alien groups, they, they tend to be an absolutist. But that doesn't mean that the membership is just monolithic and lockstep. In other words, I, I think there's a lot of NRA members who, who don't agree with every one of the policies. I don't agree with all the policies that they have. I had an issue with the armor-piercing bullets. Um, I, I have, again, the bump stocks, that type of stuff. But it doesn't mean that just because a, a group – you know, takes a position and that you agree with them on eight out of the 10 points instead of 10 out of 10, that that means you're suddenly going to bail on the group. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any organizations that are out there like that. Judy in Wasaki. Judy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you think? I just uh, want to say I've been listening to your callers and I think they all have a wonderful point and I agree. I don't, uh, I wouldn't have a problem personally if the bump sack uh, was eliminated. I'm a hunter. Our kids were all raised to be hunters. Um, they all know how to respect a the firearm. Uh, they they play video games. I've got grandchildren, and they understand the reality and the and the fakeness of things. And um, like I said, it all comes down to respect of what you have in a firearm. And I think your your uh, callers that called in, I I wholeheartedly agree with them. I would not think the NRI was going to be hurt. I think if anything. Again, I think they're going to have uh, more more members just because uh, somebody's trying to uh, take away their rights. Right, even if they don't necessarily agree with every official NRA position up and down the line. Exactly. Yeah, thanks. I, right. I, too. I, I, yeah. Uh, I, uh, but I understand why they have to have that because, like with our past president, um, they, he would have you know pushed it to get rid of everything, and so they have to hold their line. And again, you can be a member without agreeing of everything. Right. And thanks, which is what I, I think a, a lot of people are. You, you look at you look at the Democratic Party. You look at the Republican Party. There, there are people who identify as Democrats without agreeing with everything. There's people we, we're having an ongoing debate in the Republican Party. I mean, you've got the Trump wing. You've got some of the more traditional wings. We have this ongoing debate all the time. And I think the same thing is true with these interest groups that there is. I get it in the mainstream media, this effort to vilify the NRA and its members. My guess is that the current effort fails like other efforts have failed. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, uh, big story number three, the mayor gives the state of the city address. Ho-hum, what else is new? Stick around. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, about an hour ago, we rolled out our our Insight 2018 schedule. You know, Country Springs Hotel, March 28th. 
The guest list includes Governor Scott Walker, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, Attorney General Brad Schimmel, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Nicholson, the U.S. Senate candidate, um, is going to be there in person. We're going to have a video link with Leah Vukmir, Sauk County Circuit Judge Michael Skranek, who's going to be he's running for Supreme Court. He'll be on the ballot. That election is the following Tuesday. Kathleen O'Leary, all those things. So we, we roll this out. You know the one question I'm getting the most about this in the last hour? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Your wife going to be there? <laughs> you know, we we want to meet your wife. Is Fran going to be there? Yes, she's going to be. She's there going to as come. Well. All right. She's a- absolutely. She 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 is going to be there as well. So you should get her on the stage. Quick um, Q and A. Yeah, yeah, no. Or no. let me do the Q and A. Right. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. That, that, that's it. Like like do it like a do an auction for like honor flight or something. You get to ask questions of Jeff Wagner's wife and see the the real yes. story. No, but everybody's is, is Fran going to be? Yes, of course she's going to be there. But um, again, tickets just went on sale. If you go to wtmj.com, tickets are twenty five bucks. And what I what I love about Insight, and I know Eric, you've been around. We've been doing this for years mm-hmm, and years. Mm-hmm. It, it's a chance. First of all, it's great, those of us who participate in it, it's a chance to just kind of sit down and you, you get to make all, meet all these newspapers, newsmakers up close and personal. I get to ask them whatever I want. But from a perspective of attendees, you get a chance to see people in a much more intimate setting than I think you, you normally do. And that's what I think is so cool about it. I agree. I agree. And usually there's news made. Oh. So you hear something that will change the, the headline the next morning. Absolutely. So Insight 2018 tickets just went on sale. You want more, in, and they're 25 bucks a piece. So, I mean, it's 25 bucks for an evening of entertainment yeah come on um and if you want more information you want to order tickets you can text me the word insight to 414-799-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line or simply go to our website wtmj.com and we've got all the uh, information and a link insight 2018 is sponsored is presented by my friends at annex wealth management all right big story number three huh Tom Barrett, the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, he gives his state of the city address. Wouldn't it be refreshing? You know, Barrett's been around forever. Wouldn't it be refreshing if if he just was honest? If he kind of stood there and said, "Okay, the city's a cesspool." I, I mean, you know, we we we've tried. We we've got you know we we've got the, this lead stuff. You know, so the drinking water is not safe, and crime is out of control, and the budget is spiraling. spiraling and all my only idea really is I've got the trolley, you know, which is now tearing up all the streets and nobody's going to be riding that. Wouldn't you love that? But again, that's not what you get. Um, the way the Journal Sentinel describes it, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett huh, called for expanding background checks and slam proposals to arm teachers Monday during his annual State of the City address. Without mentioning Paul Ryan by name, he criticized Ryan's comments after the Florida school shooting that people calling for gun control was a knee-jerk reaction to the tragedy. After yet another mass shooting, when someone dismissively says, now is not the time for knee-jerk reactions, I am angered. I'm angered that the NRA, our president, and those afraid of losing NRA money want teachers to carry loaded firearms in classrooms. Huh. Well, here's what it would be interesting to see. Is if is if Tom Barrett was really angry enough to start doing the things that, for example, he could have been doing for the last several years, namely, instead of saying, "Hey, I want this new law" or "I want that new law," and by the way, I, I mean enhanced background checks. I don't have a problem with that. 
Um, there's something I'm going to talk about in just a minute that I think is going through the legislature that's a good idea. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, and this is what happens when you have a very liberal urban mayor who, on the one hand, is legitimately appalled by the degree of violence, but is afraid to hold people accountable. You know, Ed Flynn, before he went out the door, give him credit, he was at least starting to break from Barrett and talk about how we catch him and the courts release him. Wouldn't it be, you know, and I understand Tom Barrett wants new laws and things like that, but wouldn't it have been interesting if over the last five years the mayor of the city of Milwaukee would have used his bully pulpit to express as much outrage over ridiculous sentences handed down involving Milwaukee criminals. Wouldn't you love to have seen, after a situation where you have two people dead on the streets or the latest carjacking, and it turns out, as it almost always does, that it's somebody with a lengthy juvenile record who's never done any time or somebody who got slapped on the wrist. Wouldn't it have been interesting to see the mayor come out and say, all right, this is appalling. Look at what happened. This is the guy's criminal record. He's back out on the street. And you know what? The judge who sentenced him to the six months of house arrest or whatever needs to be held accountable. Isn't it interesting that we always talk in these generalities? And I guess I understand that the mayor wants to feign outrage over, well, we need this law or that law. But I would love to see him as outraged at the laws that are on the books that aren't enforced on a regular basis. And wouldn't it be interesting if he would use his bully pulpit to call out, for example, the district attorney's office when it plea bargains away cases, or the judges when they hand down slap on the wrist cases, situations. Don't lose your, don't, you know, hold your breath waiting for that to happen. Now, having said that, having said that, there's a very, very positive bill that just has gone through both the Assembly and the State Senate. Um, this is supported by State Senator Alberta Darling and Representative Joe Sanfilippo, who, unlike Tom Barrett, are apparently willing to do more than just talk about trying to deal with crimes. First of all, what they did is they have now tightened up the gun laws on straw purchasers of firearms. They've now made it a felony. You know, for a straw purchaser is somebody who... I don't know. I'm not legally allowed to own a firearm, say. So I, I go to my producer, Gru, and I say, hey, I want you to buy a gun for me and give it to me. That's the straw purchaser. A lot of times what the straw purchasers are are they're like girlfriends of gang members and things like that. But it, it's a law that now would make it, when the governor signs it, and he will, it'll make it a felony for straw purchasers, something I agree. And here's something else that is long overdue, and this law is going to the governor's desk as well. Because you have so many judges around here who are irresponsible, cowardly, don't want to get on the wrong side of defense attorneys and then get substituted against, um, you know, you have these lax sentences. Well, there's a new, this part of this new law that, again, the legislature has now passed it, it goes to the governor's desk, targets habitual offenders by establishing a minimum sentence of four years for a conviction of illegally possessing a firearm if somebody's either been convicted of three misdemeanors or one felony in the previous five years. So the idea being, all right, if you've got a criminal record, whether it's multiple misdemeanors or a felony, you get out, you're on the street, whether it's probation or whatever, and you get caught with a gun that you're not legally allowed to have, you go to prison for four years. 
Well, I think that that, if I had two words to describe it, my words would be great start. Because if you want to start getting a handle on the everyday gun crime, which is plaguing the city of Milwaukee and many urban areas, you start by taking the criminals, the people already not legally allowed to possess firearms, and getting them off the streets. And in a situation where, you, like I say, you've got somebody who's a felon, and, you know, within five years of their conviction is caught carrying a gun illegally or using that gun in the commission of a crime, yeah, you send them to prison. And unfortunately, because there's too many judges who won't do the right thing, you need the legislature to step up and do something. And that's what the positive stuff is. And you are seeing that coming out of the legislature with representatives like uh, Joe Sanfilippo and Alberta Darling from the state Senate. Like I say, the governor is going to sign this. That's the constructive thing. And so whenever the mayor wants to talk about crime, that's great. But my question would be, where have you been over these last several years? You know, why aren't you, why aren't you, you want to talk about like new gun laws. Okay, fine, fine, that's great. But why aren't you calling out the people who are responsible for enforcing the laws in the first place? Use your bully pulpit to do something constructive, not, well, we just need new laws and I want to take a shot at Scott Walker or I want to talk, take a shot at Paul Ryan. Give me a break. All right, it's 117. When we come back, Milwaukee County is about to do it again. That is, screw up a good thing. We'll talk about it. Stick around. It's 118. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 120. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, crew who's producing the show today. There is a there is a vulgar phrase that I can't use on the radio, but it would talk, it refers to somebody's ability to mess up something that cannot be messed up. All right, it's, it's a vulgar phrase. I can't say it on the radio, but I, whenever I think about Milwaukee County, for some reason that phrase comes to mind because when Milwaukee County does happen to stumble upon a good thing, they inevitably go out of their way to try to screw it up. Let me give you an example of that. You've got the, the these beer gardens, like the one at Esterbrook Park. Before you put the beer garden in Esterbrook Park, Esterbrook Park was a pit. I mean, it, it just was. People, you know, it people did not go there. It was underused. It was, uh, in general, not that great a place. You put this beer garden there. You hire a private contractor. They go in. They pay the county a portion of the proceeds. And Esterbrook Park is thriving. You have people coming from all. You have people coming from other countries to go take in this beer garden. So you have something that's succeeding. What does Chris Abley want to do? He wants to charge for parking at Esterbrook Park's beer garden. He wants to go out of his way to kill the golden goose. Now, ultimately, that idea got shot down. But that's the type of thing that you see in Milwaukee County. All right. For years, along the lakefront, Lincoln Memorial Drive, both at Bradford Bradford Beach and the whole area around Bradford Beach, it was it was a dump. And there's just no other way to say it. You, you had like like a food stand, a dilapidated food stand that, that nobody went to. The place where you've got North Point Custard, that was essentially a gang hangout where the cops were there all the time trying to essentially stop people from shooting each other. All right. So what happens is a, a number of years ago, um, the county 
comes up with this idea. Here, let, let's bring some private developers in. Let's get people who really know what they're doing to run like food services there. And so Bartolotis, the Bartolotis group, which is, of course, very well known, they come in and they start North Point Custard, which is right down there. Chances are you, you've been to it. They've got great burgers and fries and shakes, and it helps revitalize that entire area. And now, instead of gangbangers hanging out on either side of those parking lots down there on Lincoln Memorial, you have families. You have people that are coming down there and saying, hey, we can get a good burger. This is pretty great. We can get a milkshake. I mean, the food is absolutely outstanding. This is the type of public-private partnership that you want to have work. The problem, though, is from the perspective of the business, like Bartolotta's, there's, there's a huge risk to running a temporary location like this because if you have one of those summers where it rains like heck, all right, your 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 profits are down, your business is down, and so you can't make make that up. So, I mean, candidly, I think Milwaukee County should be paying the Bartolotta's group to have them actually run someplace like North Point Custer, right? But that's not what Bartolotta's wanted to do. Bartolotta's wanted to continue running the North Point Custard stand. They're not going to. Because the county decided, well, here's what we want. We want whatever company goes in there to agree that they're going to pay us at least $60,000 in rent. And Bartolotta says, well, we're we're not going to do that. I mean, that doesn't make any business sense. I mean, here's what we're going to do is we're we're going to, you know, we've got this proposal. You know, we'll give you a portion of our sales, you know. And and so if we do well, you guys do well. But, you know, we we can't just agree up front to $60,000 because we don't know if we're going to be able to make money out of that. By the way, nobody else bid either which tells you how outrageous the county's proposal was. So Bartolotta submits this proposal saying, no, we're not going to agree to just a flat $60,000, but what we'll do is we'll, we'll share. And if we do well, you do well. All right, you know, we'll pay you a percentage. The county says no. And as of now, no other business has bid on that. The same thing was true with Surge Group, the Surge Restaurant Group, which owns, you know, and runs a number of the great restaurants around here. They ran the Bradford Beach business, but they also decided after five years that, you know, we, we can't we can't make money or at least enough money because we're so weather dependent on this. And the county's terms, well, they're, they're not good enough. We can't guarantee that. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So as it stands right now, March 1st coming up, and the end of this week, there's nobody lined up to come in and run restaurants, either at Bradford Beach or that parking lot, the North Point Custard Stand. Bartolotta's is out. The Surge Restaurant is group is out. The county refuses, apparently, to change its policies to get Bartolotta's back, and they don't have anybody lined up to come in and replace them. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, to me, is another example of the mismanagement of the county. And, uh, again, this idea, we want money. We want money, so we're going to demand $60,000. Well, there's nobody that's going to pay that because they can't make money at it. All right. I think the county needs to reassess, and if I were Chris Abley today, I'd be on the phone talking to Joe Bartolotta or whoever makes those decisions saying, Joe, what do we need to get you back? 
because if you don't get them back, if you don't have a place like North Point Custard, you are just, again, it's going to be back like it was 10 years ago, and you're going to have one gang sitting in one parking lot, another gang sitting in another parking lot, and people terrorized to go down there. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Tom and Greenfield. Tom, thanks for waiting. Hello. How you doing there, Jeff? Good. Okay, what happens if North Point Custard and the other facility goes away? I think it's just going to, I think you're going to have the problems again like you've had in past years uh, with the police presence and everything else down there. You're going to have the rowdyism, the drunkness, and everything else, and that's pretty sad. I think that spillage is going to go back and bring it back downtown, and you're going to, Who's going to be riding that trolley, and who's going to be going to that uh, new arena downtown there if that comes on back and uh, kind of like the lake that uh, comes on into shore uh, and, and starts uh, aggravating aggravate everything else that's downtown? You know, I mean, uh, come on, we're trying to we're trying to make it fan friendly, people friendly, and visitor friendly, but uh, it doesn't seem like that. I think they, it seems that we're greedy friendly instead, huh? Well, I mean, you said you know, greedy, I don't know. I mean, here, here's the thing. And the county just has this amazing ability to screw up good things. And, again, one of the reasons I've been doing this as long as I have, I've got this institutional memory. I mean, I remember what that parking lot where North Point Custard was. I remember what that used to be. I mean, it was just, you know, you had, like, some crummy little snack shack there. And, again, the parking lots were nothing but props. You had gangs that hung out on one side of the parking lot. You had gangs that hung out on the other side of the parking lot. Once North Point Custard came in there, run by Bartolotta's, what happened is the gangs essentially left. You started having people that were there patronizing it. It's a good product. Same thing is true a little bit further north where, you know, Surge Group ran the thing at Bradford Beach. It It's important to have things like that to attract people and attract families and say, hey, let's go get an ice cream cone up at North Point Custard or, or whatever. That made a big difference. Bartolotta's wanted to be there. But the county decided, hey, we want 60 grand. We want somebody to commit 60 grand to this season. And, you know, they, they can't find anybody to do it because nobody's willing to come up and, and take that, that risk. Because, again, you get a summer where it's really hot or you get a summer where it's really cold or you get a summer where it rains every third day or something. And, and that kills your business. If you talk to anybody that runs like the festivals around here, it could be the best festival in the world. But, you know, if your festival is on a weekend where you get two and a half inches of rain and it rains Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, okay, people don't come out. So what happens is you've got these businesses who are saying, hey, look, we just can't pay this huge downstroke because we're taking all the risk. What we're willing to do is create a model where Milwaukee County, you've seen what we do. You've seen how we enhance the business climate around here. You see how we make this more family friendly. All right, what we're willing to do is we want to be here and we want to give you money. That's not the idea. We understand we have to pay rent. But here, let's work out something where, again, if it's good weather and we do well, you will do well. And the county doesn't want that. And now the most interesting thing is, like, it's, you got to emphasize with this topic. It's not that, okay, Bartolotta's didn't get it, and you've got somebody else that's coming in. So we're not arguing Gru's custard stand versus Bartolotta's. There's nobody that's willing to do this. they got nobody that was willing to sign up under the restrictions that they put in. So as it stands now, nobody, absolutely nobody. 
Um, going back to the good, and this is, again, it's just the poor management that you see on a regular basis out of Milwaukee County. It's the kind of thinking that wanted to put parking meters in Estabrook Park and kill the beer garden. And now, well, we want revenue, so we want, we've got this budgeted for $60,000. It's like saying, I'm going to sell my house, and I want $900,000 for the house, and nobody buys it. But I'm not going to charge less. I'm not going to lower the price. I want 900000 Well, everybody wants 900000 But if your house is only worth 750000 well, that's it. Or I'm going to charge 200000 And if it's not worth it, you're not going to get it. But, of course, that's not the thinking that you have when you have, I don't know, I don't know, really, really rich guys who don't have to worry about the day-to-day cost of things running Milwaukee County and bureaucrats who have no idea how the private sector works. Hmm. It's 140. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One forty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We have Brewers Exhibition Baseball coming up in about 10 minutes or so. It leads up to opening day, our opening day coverage. The Brewers open on the road this year, San Diego, on March 29th. That is a day after March 28th. March 28th is significant because, as we announced at the start of the show, um, that's our evening for Insight 2018, our annual event this year, again, at the Country Springs Hotel in Waukesha. And um, given that this is an election year, um, we've got an election-heavy slate of guests. Um, It is your opportunity. And one of the things I'm so excited about with with insight is it's your opportunity to see newsmakers and a lot of times you you do hear news being made but see them in a more intimate type of of setting and see them in a question and answer setting um we're going to be joined by wisconsin governor scott walker uh u.s senator ron johnson wisconsin attorney general brad schimmel who's certainly been in the news a lot lately with his john doe investigation his comments on the john doe investigation and his push as well as a number of other law enforcement pushes we're going to be joined in person by Wisconsin U.S. Senate candidate Kevin Nicholson. Your opportunity to meet him firsthand. We're also going to be joined via video by Senate candidate Leah Vukmir. The state Supreme Court election is the following Tuesday. Okay, this is March 28th, a Wednesday night, the following Tuesday. And the conservative candidate, uh, Sauk County Judge Michael Skranek, he is going to be there. We invited his opponent. She passed. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Kathleen O'Leary, my dear friend, who's the uh, CEO of the Wisconsin State Fair. Uh, I've got a lot of things I want to talk to her about, including the future of the fair and the future of the Milwaukee Mile. Those are our announced guests at this point in time. It starts at 630 on Wednesday, March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel. Tickets just went on sale. They're $25. It's a great evening. Well worth it. So if you want to purchase tickets, you can go to WTMJ.com. And we've got the big thing there. It says, Jeff Wagner, Insight 2018. Hope to see you out there. And, yes, all these people are emailing me saying, is your wife going to be there? Yeah, she's going to be there as well. So hope to see you at Insight 2018. Um, while while I was gone on vacation, I admit that I um, – I, I kind of punched out on the news of the day. It, it's just, it, it's just true. I mean, it's, I, I was in Key West, and as I was saying at the start of the show, if you ever get a chance to go on vacation to Key West, my advice would be, do it. <laughs> just, just, just do it. It, it, it might have been, it might have been the nicest vacation I've, I've ever been on. And, and I, you know, I've been to a lot of great places, but I just, I absolutely loved it. We just had, uh, we had a lot 
of fun, all sorts of things to do. The weather was absolutely perfect. And and so I, I admit that I made this kind of conscious effort that I, I'm not I'm not going to pay attention to current events. I'm not going to obsess with doing what my wife calls my homework, you know, trying to, you know, think about show topics and stuff. And I took a couple books along with me. And when we sat out at the beach, that's that's what I was, you know, reading. I, I just wasn't focused on on those things. But there have been a lot of things going on in the world. One of the things locally that I, I came back to, and candidly, I'm surprised that this trial has lasted this long. But um, early this afternoon, uh, the jury got the case in the criminal prosecution of Devin uh, Kramer. She's the 28-year-old Brown Deer police officer who's been on trial for the last two weeks. She's the one back in 2016, gets flagged down by a Milwaukee County bus driver because you've got this unruly passenger, 300-plus-odd pounds, who's acting up on the bus, refusing um, to get off the bus, the police officers go in, they try to calm down the situation, he refuses to calm down, and then uh, the officer, at least according to her, gets involved in what you know she perceived to be a life-or-death struggle with somebody who weighs you know two or three times as much as she weighs as they're fighting she ends up in an effort to according to her you know save her life and the life of her partner she pulls out her service revolver and shoots the guy once in the course of the struggle he doesn't pass away he's injured the bullet hits him in the lung and um she is now on trial of all the different cases that the district attorney's office could choose to bring they have, and they haven't had a lot of success in trying to convict police officers. They have decided to charge this woman with recklessly endangering safety and uh, with aggravated battery with intent to cause great bodily harm. She's in a life or death struggle with somebody who is refusing to cooperate with the police and the district attorney's office have chosen to charge this. I went on record when this trial started as saying that I would be incredibly surprised if you could convince 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that she was guilty of a crime. We will know the results of that soon. Like I say, the jury just began deliberating. If, in fact, the jury returns a verdict of not guilty, and again, I haven't sat through the trial, if they return a verdict of not guilty, I think the district attorney's office is going to have a lot of explaining to do. If the jury returns a verdict of guilty, I think that's going to have a chilling effect on law enforcement around here. So maybe by the time the show kicks off tomorrow at noon, we'll know the results of the jury's deliberations. Like I say, they got this case, but it's one that I have been focusing on because I think it has some potential scary ramifications of this. All right. As I said, uh, the Brewers... Exhibition Baseball. We've got it today and on Thursday, so that means I've got a shortened show. Lots of stuff that we didn't get to on today's program. A full show already on tap for tomorrow. I am back at 12 noon when we do this all again. Brewers Baseball coming up. Go Brewers. Opening day is coming up. We've got our extravaganza already in the works. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 12 noon. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Have a great Monday. It's 50 degrees outside. Enjoy the weather while it lasts. It's good to be back. Have a great Monday, everybody.